fasten your seatbelt. I'm taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. As if. You're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. It is the 30-something movie podcast. Um, very, very quick. Spoiler alert. We spoil freely here, so be warned. Um, tonight we are talking about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves from 1991. One of the two movies that I blame, even though I still love them, one of the two movies that I blame for The Rocketeer not doing as well as it should have done. It's this one and T2. It's all their fault. Um, very, very quickly before I introduce the the uh, the Merry Men that are here with me tonight. Um, we are part of the Scene Stealers Podcast Network, and this episode is sponsored by Scene Stealers International Convention Agent. They've got a top-class roster of movie and TV stars ready to be booked now for your Comic-Con or event, and they're adding more people all the time. So if you want to go over to their website, www.scenestealersglobal.com, uh, you can see all the different people there that they've got lined up. If you're uh, running some kind of an event and you want some celebrities to show up and, and do some autographs and things like that, then go check them out. Uh, then you can head over to our website, 30podcast.com. You can rate the show. You can leave a voicemail. You can become a co-executive producer via Patreon, where we've got all kinds of extra episodes for you there, extra content. Um, and I believe we've also got the voting page is up now for 1992 movies. So if you want to get in on helping us decide what we're going to look at next year, um, then uh, you should be able to go there as well. I think it's 30podcast.com slash vote if you want to just go straight to that page and take a look at the stuff we've got there. Um, so yes, so I have with me tonight my my band of merry men, um, Dennis. How's it going? Hey, hi ho. How are you guys doing? Good. Glad to be here. Dennis is pulling back the curtain just a little bit on the uh, on the production value of the show. Dennis is multitasking. Uh, he will be. Are you painting? I am. You're, you're painting while podcasting. Okay. Yes. So so either we having which... a house and trying to finish the ceiling and one wall tonight, and I'm good. Okay. Or the wall, the bedroom walls. I'm good. So since nobody can really truly multitask, which one is going to suffer? Are you going to like mess up the painting or? I think I'm going to focus on the painting. I think the podcast okay. is going to suffer today. Although okay. who knows? If, if Pat says something that gets me started, you never know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we, go we get, Cubs, we... go. Go Cubs, go. That'll do it. Watch this well, no, sport. actually it won't because right now but if I look fun. at the standings, I don't even need to reply. <laughs> What was the standings. that? The sta I, I said, actually, that won't even get me going because right now, if I look at the standings, I don't even need to reply to that. It's kind of oh, really? funny is, that you would bring that up. Yeah. Oh, it's really, in is like it, third or fourth place and with an under 500 record. And the Sox are about nine up, I think, in first place. Oh, wow. One of the best records in baseball. So, That's yeah, so Sox exciting. I, I was rude for the Cubs at the beginning. I wanted them to both Here go. Here we go. The, the, you know, no, I seriously was. Like, no, I know. Them, they were. I, I don't even. I, I don't even watch baseball. I just. 
But they were they both both the White Sox and Cubs were in first place for like a good couple of weeks, I think it was. Yeah. And I was thinking, hey, well, this could be the year where it's, you know, things stranger things have happened. <laughs> and uh, uh Well, do they still have Cartman yeah. or whatever his name is pitching for him? Because I know that Bar- that was a Cartman. <laughs> okay. Cartman, yeah, from, from <laughs> South Park, yep. Uh-huh. I'm trying to make the best out of a bad situation. I don't need to hear crap from a bunch of hippie freaks living in denial. Screw you guys. I'm going home. That's okay. Oh, I know if I, if I want to start an argument between the two of you, I just need to say something like, you know, Howard the Duck and Bruce Lee get into a fight, and we'll just go from there. There you go. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Well, the other voice you're hearing there is Pat. Pat, how you doing? Hey, doing well, John. Doing well. I um, Speaking of sports, it was uh, exciting times. I actually was catching up on a little bit of the reading with uh, – some of our marathon runners for the uh, Olympic marathons. And it's, it's kind of, it's, it's exciting just kind of, you know, cause there's some that are familiar faces that I've read about for a while. And then some are like new up and coming runners. And so that's, that's always exciting. And, you know, seeing that whole thing happen. And I know it's, uh, I guess, you know, the Olympics are going to go ahead. I don't know exactly when is this, is this one going to be coming out around Olympic time or a little bit after? Uh, let's see this one. Let's see. This episode will be coming out. Good question. This one comes out on the about the 21st. So, yeah, right, a couple days before the Olympics starts. Yeah. So I just hope, you know, I know that, like the world right now, just trying to deal with the pandemic and, and just move ahead. So hopefully everything happens safely and, and all that kind of stuff. But that's I, always well, exciting. The, and the one, the one thing I read is because of some of the stuff they've got spiking over there, they're not going to have any spectators. Right. Which, which right. I imagine has got to affect the athletes not to have the spectators there. Yeah, I, I would imagine, I would imagine, you know, like I, um, you know, that's always interesting to do. And I wonder like with the marathon, are they going to block off? You know what I'm saying? Like, I know like in in some of those events, you know, they, they can keep them out of whatever the Olympic village is. So yeah, that would be, that would be very interesting. You know, they've they've held a number of, you know, like um, I think one of the big, well, I mean, baseball, all those did it. They try to do sound effects and bring it in. So they'll probably try to give a little feel for like a, stadium my guesses would be because yeah when it is eerily quiet and there's a competition yeah a lot of those people a lot of athletes will struggle because a lot of them who, who thrive on the adrenaline and the crowd which many people do you get there and it's just a different level um yeah. you're gonna feel like you're training like you're like a lot of the boxers i knew said um that it felt like they were sparring yeah it's really clear you know you're just in there you just you, you hear nothing it's like you're in the gym sparring so it's kind of like hard to get up for that you have to really kind of dig to find that yeah. uh, the push that the audience will often give you. You know, when you hear them either chanting for you or booing against you, you feed off that. And right. there's not that, there's not going to be that element for them. It's very sterile, very clean. So, um, yeah, that throws a lot of people off. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. like, I know it's like the NFL and stuff. They put the crowd noises through the broadcast, but I think they were playing for an, a quiet stadium. Yeah. If I, and I remember that that's always interesting just because, you know, yeah. quarterbacks doing the hard count, changing up the, play, you know, yeah. all that, you know, in yeah. certain stadiums. And I, in a way, almost wish they'd give you the broadcast with like, uh, you know, let's just do the next couple of plays without, you know, just to kind of hear what, but yeah, I, I always find that aspect of it, you know, interesting. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Now for, now for some people, I like, I, I think you talked to, to Jason about this and it was like you Darvish for the Cubs actually had a really good year where he know during the pandemic one and when he was with them last year and it was like 
no one in the stands. And that's a guy who normally struggled in big games. So World Series, packed crowd, crazy time, you know, like he would actually kind of choke and he was a better pitcher than he was in those games. He would kind of literally choke. So for him, he had a really good season probably because there was no one in the stands. Yeah. So some people, it's it'll throw. It definitely would throw off the competition, I think, and, and people who are who can channel that and and don't need the crowd for the adrenaline are going to have an advantage, or, or like people who maybe choke will have more of an advantage because they can stay within themselves. And you know, you take that element out for a lot of people. So I and and I, I mean, I, maybe I'm saying maybe this is kind of an obvious statement, but I always admire the not a factor people. Like that's not a factor, you know. Yeah. Like the people, like uh, we'll quote Hoosiers here. Spoilers for Hoosiers. <laughs> But you know that famous scene where he goes out and measures. measures yeah. You know, doesn't matter. The uh, you know, or it the same thing. dimensions as our as the stadium back in Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether you know. It doesn't matter. The only difference is in your mind, or like bands yeah. that'll go and play, and it's like it doesn't matter if there's twenty people in the audience or twenty million people in the audience. We'll just we'll just do this. Like, not a factor. You know. I'm That's a, the kind I, of stuff that impressed me. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry, John. No, I, I was just going to say, you know what is a factor in tonight's podcast? What's a factor? The fact that I am so glad we are not a video podcast. Yeah. Because while Dennis is painting, he's got his phone on the floor, and we're getting like an up shorts shot. <laughs> it's <laughs> impressive, man. It's Jeez. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh. That's not a paint roller you're seeing. Anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, time index. Time no. index for editing. <laughs> so, so Robin Hood's best friend in this movie's name is Little Dennis. Is that? Oh, jeez. Uh-huh. Oh, jeez. I'm jeez. <laughs> oh man. Uh, what Dennis forgets is, even though this is not a video podcast, I am recording this whole thing. You yeah. know, you know, you John. I retire and. Uh-huh. You three know, weeks. they, um, <laughs> three weeks, three, three weeks. weeks. Yeah. How about, how about the end of the week? How about three days? <laughs> I still got to paint. Still got to finish some other things. Change I'll come over. I'll, I'll be, Hey man, I'll be, I'll, I'll be a lot freer in three days. I'll come over and help you. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I'm going to share that gift I'm from pretty uh, free right now. <laughs> uh huh. I'm going to share that gift from uh total recall. It's uh Dennis, when are you going to yeah. be retiring? Two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there it is. You know, John, we should, um, you know, I'm thinking like we should have our own, you know, our, our, one of our favorite podcasts that we like to listen to the greatest gen podcast. Yeah. You know, they have that where they have, they, they have that game and, and they roll the dice. And then if they land on a certain square, they do the podcast episode in a certain way. I, I, I was, I was thinking that something like that could be fun. Like I don't want to copy somebody else, but it could be kind of fun. It would be, I mean, well, those guys are just awesome at what they yeah. do. And please anybody out there that's like, a Star Trek fan or even Star Trek adjacent, you know, go check them out. Um, please. Anyways, they, they are awesome. And the other, but they have that. So I'm thinking like we could do like a version of that. Like if you're we a Star could, Trek fan or you're just Bajoran curious. Well, you know, um, but like we could have an episode where we're all doing something else. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, you know, we can have an episode where we're all playing video games mm-hmm. or we're all, painting the house or we're all prepared doing the dishes. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say, we've pretty much already done this. So I got the, let's do the episode while doing the dishes, do the episode <laughs> while painting the house. Oh man. That'd be funny. I was driving. You've done yeah, driving before. Driving, yeah. Got my kids. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, 
there's options. There's options out there to spice up the show. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of curious how we what it would sound like if we tried to do a Morn Hammered. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that we could maintain friendly, friendly, uh, yeah. family friendly with that one. Right. Oh, it's, it's a possibility. Uh, I don't think we can call it the game of buttholes, though. Yeah, that might that's, be that would be a, just a ripoff. That's but gotta be, seriously, that's be a little trademarked. But any Star Trek fans, and as long as you don't mind, because you know it, it obviously is not. They are not like young kid friendly. Oh yeah, no. Uh, but uh, what a great show that is. So, well, the uh, the movie that we've got for ourselves this evening, or whenever you're listening, is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And yes. uh, I, I will say, Pat, I was texting a little bit earlier with one of our buddies, Jason Colvin, from the Surely Can't Be Serious podcast and right. co-host of the uh, podcast Full of Kryptonite. Um, I was texting with him earlier, and I mentioned that we were doing uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and I already had um, I already had a bit that I was going to do where I was going to kind of make fun of you for never being willing to do accents on this show. Like oh, every, every yeah. time I try <laughs> yeah. to get you to do an accent... And I already had this. I was already going to bring it up. I was going to bring up the line from uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah. About how, unlike other Robin Hoods, I actually can speak with an English accent. Yes. And, and yes. Jason, Jason texted me. He's like, hey, by the way, you should reference that line from Robin Hood Men in Tights. And I was like, <laughs> Jason, I'm already one step ahead of you, buddy. I've already got it all queued up and everything. So uh, I, I do. I have it right here. So, Pat, this is for you. Why should the people listen to you? Because, unlike some other Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent. Oh. Outstanding. <laughs> that is outstanding. Go back. I mean, I'll do it. I'll do an accent. Go back. It's, it's recorded. Hunt for Red October. It's like you can hear this is crickets. Your, this is your one example. That is my one example. Yeah. It's just so bad. It is so awful. It was a, it was a, one, it was a one and done. Never again. Yeah. Well, hey, look, I mean, before we started recording the show, you guys said my my impersonation of a certain director <clears throat> was sort of right on. And yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, you're, you're, so, so, so maybe that's maybe it's just impersonations. I just have yeah. to take that next step. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I well, don't know. Well, tonight we're going to send a special shout out to Bo and to Jeff. Uh, I know yeah. Jeff wanted to be here with us tonight, but uh, he and his family are currently uh, I think they were earlier today dashing through the Denver airport a la uh, Home Alone. and um, It almost sounds like a trains, planes, automobiles type situation. A little bit, a little bit. Well, it kind of sounded like the day they were going to have. I picture Jeff getting to the end of it, and I, I picture the interaction at the rental car counter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or I was thinking of um, Ben Stiller trying to get home uh, from Meet the Parents, yes. you know? Bomb, 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 you know, and he, he gets in, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Well, safe travels. I yeah. hope it all, you know what I'm saying? So, we miss you guys, but we'll uh, we'll, we'll be seeing you soon. And uh, I know Jeff was really excited to get on with us and talk about Hook, which we got coming up next week. So Coming up. Gotta, gotta, I watched that one with the kids the other day. They had a lot of fun with that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, uh, let's jump on into the movie here. So this one is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It came out on the 14th of June, 1991, rated PG-13 with a runtime of two hours and 23 minutes, directed by Kevin Reynolds, who also did The Count of Monte Cristo and Waterworld. Uh, what's that? Did you say something, Dennis? 
No, that was my son walking. Oh, in. okay. All right, all right. I'm, I'm muting. I'm muting. Okay, all right. See, he he already said he said the podcast would suffer because of the painting, and I was going to make a crack about how the only people who are really going to suffer are the listeners, week in and week out, having to listen to us talk about movies. Yeah, but yeah. Some some of them. That's okay. We, we do but this. I've only got happy things to say about the movie tonight, so hopefully. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's good with that. And if you're not good with that, you know, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is Star Trek podcast somewhere for you. Um, yeah, Kevin Reynolds is the director. He did Count of Monte Cristo, one of my other favorite movies. Um, and then Waterworld, not one of my other favorite movies. Uh, producers on this one were Penn Densham, Kevin Costner, Richard Barton Lewis, and John Watson. Uh, Densham also produced Maul Flanders and Harriet. Costner also produced The Bodyguard and Open Range. Lewis produced Backdraft and The Space Between Us. And Watson also produced Backdraft and Tank Girl. Uh, Penn Dresham also did the story and screenplay um, and then also did that for Mall Flanders and Larger Than Life. John Watson also did the screenplay uh, as well as producing. And John Watson also wrote screenplay for a gnome named Norm. Cinematography was done by Douglas Milsom, who did Full Metal Jacket and Highlander Endgame. Music was done by Michael Kamen, who died in 2003. He also did music for the X-Men movie and Event Horizon. Budget on this one was $48 million. Box office was $390.5 million, so it made some coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flick Metrics gives it a 64%, and Cinema Score gives it an A. Starring Kevin Costner as Robin of Loxley. Uh, he was in Field of Dreams and Bull Durham. Morgan Morgan Freeman was Azim. He was in the Shawshank Redemption and Seven. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio was Maid Marian. She was in The Abyss and The Perfect Storm. Christian Slater was Will Scarlet. He was in The Name of the Rose and Heathers. Alan Rickman, who died in 2016, was the Sheriff of Nottingham. He was in Die Hard and the Harry Potter movies. Geraldine McEwen, who died in 2015, played Mortiana. She was in The Love Letter and Henry V. Michael McShane played Friar Tuck. He was in Office Space and A Bug's Life. Brian Blessed played Lord Loxley. He was in Flash Gordon and Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Michael Wincott played Guy of Gisborne. He was in The Three Musketeers and The Crow. Uh, Nick Brimble played Little John. He was in Roger Corman's Frankenstein Unbound and A Knight's Tale. Sue Durrett played Fanny. She was in Doctor Who and Call the Midwife. Daniel Newman played Wolf. He was in Bram Stoker's Dracula and The Borrowers. Daniel Peacock played Bull. He was in The Jewel of the Nile and a TV series called The Beeps. Walter Sparrow, who died in 2000, played Duncan. Uh, I almost said Blinken there, but that's completely different. Uh, he was in Ever After and The Secret Gut. I can see. <laughs> nope, never mind. Um, he was in Ever After and The Secret Garden. Uh, Harold Innocent died in 1993, played the bishop. He was in Brazil and Henry V. And Pat Roach, who died in 2004, played the uh, Celtic chieftain. He was in Willow and Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, Sean Connery is also in this movie, but did not mention him because he just has that little bit at the very end there. Uh, Nobleman crusader Robin of Loxley breaks out of a Jerusalem prison with the help of his Moorish fellow prisoner Azim and travels back home to England. Upon arrival, he discovers his dead father in the ruins of his family estate killed by the vicious sheriff of Nottingham. Robin and Azim join forces with outlaws Little John and Will Scarlet to save the kingdom from the sheriff's villainy. Here is the trailer, and we will be back in just a second. A time of war. (laughs) 
tyrants. A time when the only way to uphold justice was to break the law. He gave the people the courage to fight. And then Robin Hood stands up and says, I am the greatest swordsman who ever lived. Because apparently that's the Willow music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew it was something. Who did Willow music? That was James Horner. James yeah. Horner. I yeah. please disregard yeah. my light. Like, I recognize that from somewhere. And I'm like, hmm. And I, did, I didn't listen to the trailer until today. And I so I was playing the trailer. I was like, they just lift the, <laughs> they just lifted all the music from Willow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which trailers and, do that all the time. I mean, trailers steal from other movies too. But I'm telling you, man, well, and I want, I don't want to get ahead of myself or get out over my skis with the commentary, but that created a completely different picture of the movie in my head mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. I mean, just like, it's like very different. That's, that was, that was shocking. Yeah. And none of that, that music is not used in the film, correct? No. At all. Uh-uh. Yeah. At all. And like, yeah, that's one of the things we've talked about trailers. You'll often hear songs and sometimes it's lyrical songs too. And then you're like, that's a cool song. You're waiting in the movie and it's never in there. And you're like, what the heck? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Whatever works for the trailer. The trailer's job is to sell it. And that's really it. So if they can get you to go pay your eight, 12, whatever, 15 bucks and then go to see in the theater, that's, that's job, you know, succeed, succeeded. So. Well, and it might just be the music's not even done yet by the time the trailer comes yeah, out. Yeah, well, it is. It's not, it might not be finalized, and you're going with something that's a vibe. And it's the same sort of, you know, to a certain degree, it's the same sort of setting, same sort of kind of tone. And um, Robin Hood, you think, you know, Willow, the outdoor, they're very similar, like, kind of films. And, and, and I'm not saying by plot. I'm saying by setting and, and, yeah. and time and tone and everything. So it worked for that. So they probably figure this will work for that. And like you said, yeah, it might not have been finalized yet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so for this one, we, we start off with our typical question. Uh, one word or a short phrase. When you saw that this movie was coming up, how did it make you feel? I'm so excited. This was an, this is an awesome movie. I love this movie. You asked for one word. I gave you 18. That's no, I didn't. I gave you like eight. I didn't count because I'm so distracted by the awesome. I My understanding really... there would be no math. I was so excited for this movie. I am excited to talk about this movie. If you don't like this movie, then 
you know, here's 30 pieces of silver to pay off the devil on your way to hell. You were so excited about this movie that you were late coming to the podcast because you had to vacuum up a mess. I had to vacuum up a mess. Like, wow, I like this movie too, but I don't know if I like it that much. <laughs> That's right. All right, Dennis, uh, what about you? How, how does deep in your bowels, how does this movie make you feel? Excuse me. Um, it, it, maybe a little nostalgic, not nostalgic, but um, just like any of these movies. I mean, it's what's going to happen with a lot of these. It's just time period where, you know, I'm 21 and uh, at the time, and it was a good film, and I watched it with my family and, you know, my, the, my brothers. And so good times, good movie, kind of that type of feel. So it's just a, a good, a good um, in some ways, a little bittersweet because, you know, those are good days and, and, and my brothers aren't there anymore. So anytime we see it, but I remember remember watching this. So this was on, B, uh, I think it was VHS or DVD maybe? Would DVD be out? No, not yet. So it's still VHS. So yeah. we saw this uh, on VHS. We did not see it at the theater, as I recall. It was at home. You know, and again, I know we saw it probably twice or three times that year because my dad liked it. So. Uh, if we did see it in the theater, then we did follow it up with, you know, obviously watching it at home a couple times. So, yeah. 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 For so, me, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to echo what you guys have said, just excitement. Um, you know, anytime, this is one of those movies where if I'm looking around and I'm like, cause I, I, I've got my shelves of, of DVDs and Blu-rays right over here to my left. And if I look over there, I'm like, if I walk over, I'm like, Hey, what movie could I put on that the whole family could watch with the kids being a little bit older? I'm like, uh, you know, what, what can I put on that's always going to be fun? And that Robin Hood is going to be one of my go-to movies that I would typically pick out. You know, it would be something like, oddly enough, by the same director, it'd be something like The Count of Monte Cristo. It would be Robin Hood. It would be The Rocketeer. It would be, you know, some of these others that are in the rotation of favorites. Um, so, you know, when I when I knew this one was coming up, I'm like, okay, this one's going to be an easy, this one's going to be an easy one to talk about because I, I have a feeling that we all enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this one's, this one's an interesting one because it's a different take. And and especially for the time, it was a different take on the Robin Hood story. Um, You know, sometimes we, we talk about how, especially when you get to like the eighties and the nineties, when you, when you start to redo some of these stories that have been around for a while, um, it almost treats it like you're, I don't want to say it's quite like Young Guns, where it was like a Western, but a rock star Western. But in some ways, this is kind of like a rock star version of Robin Hood. You know, it was it was updated. It was uh, in certain ways modernized. Um, and just it, it was very different than your typical take. I mean, you had your other Robin Hood movies of the past. You had the Douglas Fairbanks in the 20s. You had Errol Flynn in the 30s. You had the Disney Robin Hood in the 70s. And pretty much all of those followed a a similar vein of, you know, you've you've got green tights, pointy shoes, pointy hat, and the bow and arrow thing. And your your Robin Hood story is, is pretty much the classic, you know, Robin and Marion, steal from the rich to give to the poor, that right. kind of stuff. And then this one, this one brought a few more elements to it than just yeah. that, that typical story, but also kind of played around with mixing in some of the different legends that had popped up over the last, what, yeah. 800 years or so. 
and and not to disparage any of those because I mean like that the Disney one is one of the best animated films like yeah. I love watching that and you know the Douglas Fairbanks and Errol Flynn versions that you referenced also fantastic movies I mean it was just you know it's a I mean it was a different style of movie making a different style of acting and I mean y- you know you can't I don't think, I don't think it's, I mean, well, you can compare them. I shouldn't say you can't compare them, but I mean, they, they weren't trying to accomplish necessarily the same thing outside of telling the Robin hood. Do you know what I'm saying? So I just, you know, yeah. I want yeah, to throw that. I think it falls into the category of like your Christmas carols. Um, some of those, I'm trying to think what else, but Christmas, carol, where, where it's a movie where it, the classics were made back then. Mm-hmm. They have a place in your heart or in your, you know, memory that you really like or what, you know, uh, enjoy and but at the same time you're like you know what i could use it. it could use an update it doesn't mean that it cancels out or is better than the other ones it's in addition to it's telling the story again these are one of those stories that are so good that they could be told multiple times um and change with the times and be updated and and you know cross your fingers hopefully they do a good job you know so i think it falls into that so this I, one, when you're hearing it, you're thinking, yeah, this is great to get a new update, a new modern version of this. Because yeah. we've seen that, the, you know, mainly it was the Douglas Fairbanks um, version, which, which I think was a favorite of my dad's, you know, and he was totally welcoming this one, you know, yeah. with the new new abilities and technologies and, and filming techniques and the way things have changed. It was like, we're, you know, you're, you're looking forward to it. You're not going, oh, this, the other one wasn't good. It was just, hey, this could be even better nowadays. This could be a cool story to see in color and or like, you know, not color, but like in, uh, you know, in just a different, different format. It's grittier. Yeah. I mean, and that was right right off the bat from the beginning, you're, you're starting in a, a prison in Jerusalem during the crusades and that's already right away. He's about to have his hand chopped off and you know, that's not how the other Robin Hood movie started. Yeah. It's definitely grittier. And I mean, I'm going to, um, I'm going to say like, when I saw this movie, this was right when I was like starting to head to the theaters by myself. You know, the movie theater was within range of my bicycle riding and a buddy of mine, we'd head over and, you know, hit the, hit the theaters, you know? And so I remember seeing this in the theaters a couple times, you know, as much as my, you know, whatever job I was working in seventh or what was it would have been eighth grade, um, whatever job I was working and, um, you know, that I had some cash, but yeah, I remember seeing this in the theater and that was like, whoa. And I mean, I had seen other movies in and around this time. But I think this was one of the first that was real, you know, kind of like where this is the portrayal of the middle ages, everything up to this point had been that older look, which had fantastic sword fighting. I mean, you look at Errol Flynn and Douglas Fairbanks with the sword fight. I mean, you know, and, but it was, it was like a cleaner look and it was like, this seemed like, okay. I mean, the world is still pretty sanitized. Like you're, you're not quite getting, you know, like leprosy is a joke. Um, you know, you're not talking about the bubonic plague and you're not, you know, all that kind of stuff, but still, I mean, you know, you see blood. Okay. Like people are getting knocked about, you know, people get bruised, you know? So it's, it's got, um, like a, it's, it's got a harder edge to it. You know what I'm saying? Well, Pat, you know me, I, I like my heroes gritty. And, mm-hmm. and and I was I was especially happy to find out in one of the deleted scenes that you find out Robin's mother's name was Martha. Exactly. That was I thought it, that was really cool. It was. That's, it was Mar- Martha of Loxley. Martha of Loxley. Yeah. Um, so. No. I, yeah. I mean, this immediately 
it's it's a like you said it's a very it's a very different take in fact i think they um they had some people that, that when they were doing the casting for this movie, one of the things I read or I heard from somewhere um, was they were doing the casting for the movie and some people initially turned it down because they're like, I don't want to wear a bunch of tights in this mm-hmm. movie. Like, I don't think I look good in tights. I don't want to be in this movie. And apparently when they got Kevin Costner for the movie, they brought him in to do like one of those, the initial kind of um, the, the costume evaluations just to kind of see how he looks in the costume and everything. And apparently as a prank, they brought him one of the like bright green tight costume with tights, with the pointy shoes, with the hat with the feather in it. And uh, they put him in that. And he's like, I I thought we were going for more of like a realistic look and they were messing around with him. They're like, no, this is, this is going to be your costume. This is the Robin hood costume for the movie. And then they like, everybody just burst out laughing because they were were totally trying to prank him. But, um, and I'm just going to say, I thought the like, even when I was 13, I was like, wow, the costumes look cool. Like, I don't want to be like doing the uh, Steve the Pirate thing, um, you know, from uh, from Dodgeball. But, I mean, I was like, dude, the costumes look really, like, I, and I don't ever remember being struck by, like, costumes, you know. It, it, but it was like, dudes, they look, they look cool, man. Yeah. They look really cool in this. So... Yeah, yeah. Between the costuming, between the, just the the whole look and feel of everything, it's just it's just a fun movie. Yeah. Um. So in the movie, we do get away from Jerusalem. He does escape with Azim, uh, who does come back to England with him, uh, because Azim has some kind of Wookiee life debt, uh, that he has to abide by since uh, Robin saved his life, and um, they do get uh, they do get back, but not before Robin's father is killed by the sheriff of Nottingham, um, and. One of the things, I, one of the things I read was Brian Blessed, who played Robin's father, um, Lord Loxley. Apparently, when they did his death scene, and everybody kind of rushed in to attack him, I, I, I guess mm-hmm. he did get injured. Um, they mm. didn't go into detail, but they said uh, they uh, on IMDb it said ironically Brian Blessed was almost killed filming his death scene. Oh, like okay, oh. well, that would have been terrible. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah. And and what about uh, and what a great voice that guy. God. Yeah. And King. I mean, I can, I I can rewind that and like listen to that four or five times in a row. That's yeah. just an. Uh, he's just got an awesome. But it's all right, Duncan. You know, I mean, yeah. I can't. There's my impression. There you go, guys. There you go. There you go. Um, but I mean, he. Just there was has, your actually. There there was your Sean Connery. The, yeah. I, uh, that came out sounding a little bit like Sean Connery. Sean Connery. I, I, right. And ironically, Sean Connery, they were going to try to get Sean Connery for that part. But he's yeah. like, he's like, no, I've, I've played too many fathers recently. I, I don't want to be a father. So you could bring me in at the end for King Richard or something. Yeah. But, no, he's, he's got a great voice. He was um, he was Boss Nass in uh, uh, Phantom Menace. Was he? So he's got that big, booming voice. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. That, that would have been a fun line if they had included. I mean, obviously it was made years after this, but you know, if he if he's yelling out "God and country," but then also "Be gone with him," kind of right. a thing, you know, yelling that at the sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah, funny. Right. Yeah. So then they they get back and and uh, he finds that the home that he left, that Robin left, is uh, not quite what it was, and um, the corruption the the corruption of the land has overtaken his home and. Uh, Marion's home and his father has been killed and the servant was left blinded and, and kind of left to fend for himself there. And, 
I think originally what I know of the Robin Hood story, which is not a lot, but what I know of the Robin Hood story is there is a, a bit of truth to some of that where the Robin Hood legend grew up around, um, you know, that, that Nottingham in particular was a place where there was a lot of corruption, um, that the possibly the sheriff of Nottingham was, was also a corrupt official. Um, and so, you know, there was some truth in that possibly. And yeah, I think a lot of those legends kind of grew up around what was going on at the time with the King, you know, being gone in the crusades and, uh, some of the officials kind of left to, to run things on their own. Um, mm. so you, mm-hmm. you kind of get that sense, um, at the beginning of the movie here where, where things are not quite the way Robin left them. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I always thought was kind of funny is when they do go find the, they go to try to find Marion, he really hasn't been gone that long, right? Like it wasn't, it, it was only like five or six years that they were gone off to the crusades. Yes. Yeah. So how would he not know what Marion looked like? Like, they're, well, they're already a little bit older and it's only been five or six years. So that's that's one of the only things that's bothered me a little bit about that part of the movie is like, well, I mean, five or six years, I think you'd still know what she looked like. Well, didn't he kind of, I don't know, I watched that a couple of times because he's just like, the years have been kind. kind. Yeah. I mean, I mean, could there have been a little bit like he's he's trying to play a, or figure it out or I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But that was also a fun scene because a lot of times in in some of the others, not not all of them, because sometimes you know you get her fighting back too. But thought that was kind of a fun twist on it to have Marion be like the assassin that hops in and and almost takes him out um, mm-hmm. when they come to her house. And so I thought that part was kind of fun too, a little little twist on that where you know she's like, I, I don't really need anybody to protect me. I think I'm good. Yeah, 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 yeah. He opens his door, knees him right in the right uh-huh. in the right in the sensitive area there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hello, right, Marion. Right, right in the quiver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Some of the things I was reading about this is um, that uh, we joked earlier about the Carrie Elwes line about him not mm-hmm. uh, doing the British accent. For this. Mm-hmm. And, and apparently, I think you were telling me before, weren't you, that Carrie Elwes was originally um, offered this role of Robin Hood? I, th- I think he was. I yeah. thought he was one of the guys that they offered it to. Yeah, I think they offered it to him, and he didn't. He thought the plot was kind of blah. Mm-hmm. So he turned that down. And actually, a couple of them. Um, I want to say Alan Rickman was also like, the writing of this is terrible. He's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I want to do this. The writing is terrible. I, I think I read somewhere he turned it down a couple of times. Um and the only time once they finally got him was when they said, all right, look, if you don't like the script, you can ad lib a bunch of your lines. Like if you've got something you want to say, if you want to, you have full control over the character, you portray the character however you want to portray the character. And it was at that point that he was like, all right, I'll do it. Um, and I did see a, a video interview with him uh, on one of the old kind of behind the scenes videos for this movie. And they, they cut to him and he says, I'm not playing a bad guy. I'm playing the sheriff of Nottingham and he's a, he's a man that has a checklist of things that he wants mm-hmm. and his checklist doesn't line up with Robin Hood's checklist and they have some conflict, but I'm not playing a villain. It's like, all right, well, because sometimes you come across as a mustache twirling villain, but you know, that's cool too. Yes. 
But interesting, I mean, that's, and that's probably the that's probably the most fun of this movie for me is the Sheriff of Nottingham character. Well, he's amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. Anytime on screen, you are just drawn to him. Hating well, him. That's probably why they kept appealing to him because a lot of times, you know, you cat you somebody turns you down, you don't keep going after him. But the fact that they're so willing, it means that they saw, you know, that it was he's just perfect for that. Mm-hmm. And apparently, yes. he had a couple of friends of his who were a a comedian and a playwright who helped him come up with some of the lines. Like uh, one of my one of my favorite lines of his in particular, um, I think his friends were kind of they were workshopping some stuff and and they came up with it. It was the one where he walks out and he goes, "You, my room, ten thirty tonight. You, my room, ten forty five, and bring a friend." That's right. Wait, 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 wait. This man steals from me, forcing me to inflict taxes on the public and they or hurt the public and they love him for it. it? (laughs) No more bread for the hungry. No more alms for the poor. No more merciful Merciful beheadings. beheadings. Yeah, I, I got it for you right here. Cancel the kitchen scraps for lepers and orphans. No more merciful beheadings. And call off Christmas. <laughs> now sew and make the stitches small. <laughs> Man, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That's like, I'm, I mean, you know, uh, Sir Alan Rickman, my word, is that, <laughs> is that a tour de force? Is this movie just a tour de force? He's like a, he's like a slightly more insane goofy Hans Gruber. Yeah. And you know, I want to, I want to, okay. So I'm on a rant from before we started recording anyways, yeah. I like I'm looking at the rotten tomatoes thing. And I know that like a bunch of the critics, this, that, and I, I saw a bunch of the critics kind of go after Alan Rickman. They say, well, he was so silly and he was so this, and it was kind of like, yeah, like, yeah, but he's also the best part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, he was silly but that's like all of a sudden it turns on a dime and you realize, no, this guy's just like, you know, sinister. Yeah. Or maybe that's just like, I know what I want and no one's going to get in my way, you know, because right. then he's stabbing Guy Gisborne. And I mean, you know, it was like, wow, you know, and, oh, cousin, I can't let a deputy, you know, yeah, geez, just. How incredible. Why a spoon, cousin? Why not an axe? Because it's dull, you twit. It'll hurt more. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, he is, as as much as I do love the rest of the movie, he is probably my absolute favorite part of this movie. Is just his, I mean, I, I could just watch him as the Sheriff of Nottingham for the entire thing. Yeah, they could do a docu- oh, yeah. they could do a documentary on the sheriff of Nottingham as long as he was playing the sheriff, and I would watch yes. that. Right, right. I, uh, yeah. I mean, it's if this is just going to be the podcast, it'd be one of this like an hour of us quoting the sheriff of Nottingham just yeah. because he's so he's just so good. So some of the other fun stuff in this movie. Um, this was, of course, this this came out in ninety one. And this was right around the same time that I moved over to England. And um, it was, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the little kind of forest area. Um, 
where they filmed it. Because last night was where did they film this? Yeah, um, it was. There was kind of a little area. Well, this I was going to look it up here. It's filming locations. Um, yeah, there was a forest kind of near where I lived, and my friends and I. Once I started going to school there, we, you know, on the weekends or whatever, there was a forest area where you could kind of ride your bikes to, and it had a whole bunch of clearings, and somebody had set up like a, a tire swing on on some of the trees that were there, um, and so there was, you know, there was kind of this area, like areas you could kind of play and ride your bikes in a little bit and and stuff like that, and and um, so I remember going over there and I remember that they had found, I don't know that, I don't remember if I ever found any, um, but I think they had found a couple of different times some netting from the movie. They had found some arrowheads from the movie, um, some other props that had just kind of been left behind over there. Um, and so, and, and sometimes in watching the movie, I'll be like, you know, that, that looks really familiar. Like that particular scene, that kind of clearing in the woods, um, that looks kind of familiar. That might have been that same area where we used to go kind of ride our bikes and play when we were kids. Um, but they filmed it right in. That was one of the areas that they used oh, wow. for the um, Sherwood Forest. Got it. So that was kind of fun. That was kind of fun knowing that they had. Um, I, I want to say that area was called Burnham Beaches. Beaches, okay. as, in, beaches as in the trees, not the. Uh, yeah. 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 Here it was. Um, Robin Hood's Sherwood Forest Camp was built closer to the film studio at Shepperton, about 50 yards from a public footpath in Burnham Beaches off the A335 Road north of Slough, Buckinghamshire. Um, so, we, yeah, we lived not too far away from there, so that was one of the spots where, uh, where they filmed that. Um, some of the other stuff, some of the, like, the scene with the river and, and things like that, those were in different locations and um, different spots in England. I think that was more further north in England. Um, and then they filmed some of the other scenes near uh, Hadrian's Wall and places like that. Mm -hmm. Now, did you know this back in the day when you first saw it, or no? Uh, no, because when I first I don't think we saw asked it, that, did we ask that question? Where do we? When do we? Where and when? No, didn't ask that. Um, I want to say when we first saw it. Did, did we see it before we moved or after we? Well, you know, if it came out in June, oh, I don't remember. I don't remember if we saw it when it first came out or not. I'm trying to remember when we moved there. You know what? Yeah, you saw this back then, right? Pat? I'm sorry, say that again? You saw this back when it first came out, correct? Yes, I did. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah, I saw it when it first came out. I'm trying to remember if we saw it because we moved right around June or July um, over there. So it would have been, if we saw it in the States, it would have been right when it came out. But yeah, I and I remember loving this movie as a kid. Oh yeah, there's 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 so much plenty plenty to love. I you know it's funny. I I remember it was like that was the this is the first time I became aware of widescreen and pan and scan mm -hmm. because when I got the video, I'm like, man, I remembered there was more of this movie. I remembered this scene because I would I had yeah. seen it so many times. I started to notice different things. Like I would watch it. Like I'd go back and be, I, like there was one time I'm sure I went and saw this maybe even in the theaters and I didn't even watch the characters. I just watched the setting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Um, I, I do pick on, I do pick on just a little bit the Kevin Costner, not having a British accent 
in this movie. Well, like we, we've had some other movies where somebody was based on who they were and, and their nationality, they should have had an accent, but yeah. they did not have an accent. Um, for his half brother didn't have one either. No, he didn't have his F me. He cleared it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, he didn't have one either. Um, and apparently, so I was reading this, that that's not because Kevin Costner didn't want to do an English accent. Mm-hmm. That he wanted to. He had actually hired a dialect coach, uh, but the director, Kevin Reynolds, thought that the accent was so bad, he told him to stop doing it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, all right. He can't get through it, you know? Right. Yeah. Which, you know what, if if it makes it too distracting to the point yeah. where you can't enjoy the movie because the guy just can't get an accent down, then I I think that's a wise choice. Just ditch it yeah. and ditch it and enjoy the movie. Yeah, I mean, and I, I know I want to be careful because, like, I could understand the sensibilities of people living in England and, like, okay, you're you're doing an English an English folk hero. Why does he and like why do they have American accent? You know, I could I could get where. That might. But I think it all comes down to like any film is you want people to be able to lose themselves in the story. Like like John said, if that's going to distract you from losing yourself in the story, then and a director senses that or anybody senses that, then it's sometimes better to not try that. Right, right. Well, and the funny thing was, I that was something that people pointed out to me, and I didn't even notice when I first saw this. Because I was so lost in their portrayals of those characters. And without the accent, I really liked what Kevin Costner brought to the part of Robin Hood. I really liked what Christian Slater brought to the character of, of I almost said Will Ferrell, Will Scarlet. Um, and then it was, you know, and then it was one of those things when they pointed out the accent situation, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, now I'm going to notice it. But I mean, God, if Will Ferrell was, that would be a different movie. That would be a different movie. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I'm I'm just gonna say, like, I, I mean, the one, the one fight where he first they first meet Wolf, and he sneaks up, you know, to find out what's going on, and he realizes Guy Gisborne is sitting there, and they he's like, you know, well, 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 welcome home, kill him, and then he just reaches out and pulls out the crossbows, and he's he's basically got him covered, but that's a scene I don't know I don't know why, but Kevin Costner brandishing some kind of a shooting type weapon he always looks menacing he always in all his westerns in the untouchables he oh when he it just it always looks menacing and that was right away as a kid it was like whoa it's on now when he pulls out the crossbows and and i think he shoots the crossbow almost completely at the camera in one of those and uh yeah that's very exciting so like i said it was easy to get lost in there yeah now, did you hear, have you guys heard about the kind of the conflict over the finishing of the movie? No, I did okay. not. So apparently, and, and I've, I've just, I've, I, there's a lot out there and I've only, only really had time to dig up a couple of little things here and there. Um, but apparently what ended up happening was the, the movie itself ran way over. Um, it it might've been over budget, but it was definitely over time and, there were a couple of different things that caused some problems initially. Um, Robin Wright was supposed to have been made Marion. And uh, I believe right before filming, she found out she was pregnant. And so she had to drop out of the movie. And so um, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio was then called in kind of at the last minute 
Um, and I was reading in this one thing um, that because they had to delay things, um, she was actually going to get married and the filming got so delayed that her wedding license uh, lapsed. And so she had to go get a new <laughs> wedding license because she had dropped everything to, to go be in this movie. Um, and it sounds like there's kind of an interesting divide between um, between Kevin Costner and some of the other folks that are in the movie. Um, it hmm. sounds a bit like there was a th there was something that I read on IMDb in a couple of different places where they actually locked the original film editor out of the editing lab. And, and <laughs> I had heard this. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner went in there because he was one of the producers. He went in there with a couple of other people, and they edited the movie themselves. Um, and the director, Kevin Reynolds, was not happy with the final edit. Um, Alan Rickman wasn't happy because Kevin Costner felt Alan Rickman was upstaging him. So he cut out some of his scenes so that there was less of him in the movie. Um, and I guess one of the other comments um, from an interview, uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio said, it felt like different films, different attitudes, and I'd much rather have been in Alan Rickman's film. I wanted to do what he was doing. And so it sounds like there was a lot of conflict kind of once the movie was over. Like once they had finished filming and it was time to edit everything together, um, it kind of sounds like there was... A lot of uh, a lot of tension, it, shall we say? Was it was it ego? I probably. Yeah. Yeah. Or does it? How do we know? Like we weren't even in the room, but does, right. does it sound like that? Yeah, that's. I mean, it could be ego. But it could be also. I mean, you know, Kevin Costner is, I think, an excellent director as well, and an excellent, you know, does a lot of stuff himself very well, and um, produces it. Like you have sometimes more stake in the in the in the game so you you know control maybe more than ego mm -hmm. not that i'm saying that it's not ego i'm saying that there could be some of that too i see i, I yeah i'm like i said i i mean anything but i say this some people are just actors they just act right and i think if an actor went and did that i would say that that's more ego but because it's out of character for them. But if you're somebody who's got that dances with wolves sort of mentality, director, somebody who's going to plug through for, you know, like you, you've got that drive that that can spill over and be more of a factor than maybe the ego or they're, yeah. combined. Or, or they're combined a little bit of both. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, I mean, anything I would say at this point would be incredibly speculative based on, you know, but, you know, it's like I uh, I love the movie so much, like I don't want to hear about the whole, well, this guy was upstaging me, so I'm going to cut his scenes and all this kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder what the comments mean. I would have rather have been in the one movie than the other. But not like in terms of the from the director's, like the one, you know, mm -hmm. she said it from the standpoint of the actors. This. Oh, was it editing? Was it the different editors? Was it like she was, Rickman was wanting to do or no? Was that based on the editing? Was that common? I thought, or was it? Wasn't it? I. It sounded like it sounded like Alan Rickman had his own, like he had his own way of doing things that didn't necessarily fit with. I, I think he was taking it he more. Was given, he was given route. that artistic license to do different lines, so he might have been trying, you know, taking it in a different tone or a different place. Right, and, and I, I think his. I mean, especially his tone with the character was to be, you know, e evil and crazy but also 
you know, kind of have a little bit more comedy to it. Whereas, you know, a lot of Kevin Costner's scenes, it's more, you know, he's, there, there's not a lot of comedy there. there. I mean, there are moments, but I think it's much more of a, maybe a traditional Robin Hood movie in his part. Well, and, and maybe Alan it, Rickman wanted to give it a little bit of a different twist. Kevin Costner is kind of the everyman. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what, I mean, you know, when they when they introduce it as like he was a spoiled bully that burned my hair and oh prodigal son and all this kind of stuff that seems very foreign because one oh is that how robin hood's being painted and two you don't see any of that in how he's being played do you know what i'm saying like it so it's just like so they drop you in and then basically through exposition tell you that yeah he wasn't he wasn't this like noble giving type person. This is kind of like a second look. And that's kind of, I mean, and I thought it was cool. And I thought he pulled it out. And a couple of times when he gets kind of silly, like hanging out in the tree and some of the looks, I think you kind of get a glimpse of that. Yeah. Okay. He's a little bit of a rascal. I mean, doing a noble thing, but still, you, you, I think Kevin Costner brings that out. Well, but it's interesting because they're really, they don't share much on screen. Right. right. I mean, you, you know, he gets, he gets when they meet in the church one and the sword fight at the end too, but everything else, I mean, they see each other a little bit across the, the, the court, the, you know, the big rescue scene at the end, but not a ton. They, so in a way it really almost is two separate movies. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I'm, I'm, they don't share many scenes, right? Do they? No. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So I, I found an article too from I think it was from Entertainment Weekly, and it's it's an article from 1991, um, not too long after the movie came out, and it sounds like here um, at the end of this one paragraph, it says most disruptive of all, a last minute recutting to bolster his on screen presence, um, Kevin Costner's led to a nasty battle between Reynolds and the producers. Just weeks before the first big picture of his career was to hit theaters, Kevin Reynolds walked out on the project. And then he's quoted later on as saying, you know how Hollywood is, you go along, you get along, is sort of the attitude, he said philosophically. Sometimes you just reach a point where you say, I'm not going to go along anymore, I think I've compromised enough, so I've moved on to other things. Yeah. So it just sounds like there was, you know, there were creative differences once the movie was finished. Yeah. Yeah. A few too many cooks in the kitchen there. Yeah. But for all that, I mean, the, the movie we get, it's a fun movie. Yeah. Can we, all right. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to take control. I don't want to take the reins here, but can we like just maybe take, are you locking me out of the podcast? I'm not going to lock you out of the podcast, but can we maybe take, I don't know, the next six hours to talk about Azeem? Sure. (laughs) One of the coolest characters ever on, like a movie ever. Yeah. I mean, dang. Yeah. That was a cool, <laughs> that was a cool character. That is a cool character. You know what I'm saying? That and I was love his, awesome. Well, and, and, and you talk about that and that may be part of it too, is that the, the characters, all of the other characters are so much stronger than Robin Hood. Like not, not to lay a whole bunch of criticism on Kevin Costner, but when you really look at the movie, the most memorable characters in this movie are Maid Marian, Azim, and the Sheriff of Nottingham. That really, I mean, Robin Hood himself, he really doesn't 
and I'm saying all this, but I still love the movie, Robin Hood himself really doesn't have a whole lot of personality. I mean, he does. He's got his he's got his code of ethics, and he's got his, you know, he's he's trying to grow up from being the spoiled brat that Marion remembers, and and all that stuff. But I think in terms of characterization and how the characters are written, I think I think those other side characters are much stronger and more entertaining to watch than Robin Hood himself is. Well, maybe maybe he just kind of tied the room together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I mean, he's the right. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I'll go ahead and throw this out there, and then you guys tell me where I'm wrong. Anybody that's listening along, please feel free to send your opinions on a postcard attached to a PlayStation Five to the Thirty Something Podcast PO Box. But Robin Hood, and I remember saying this with some of the other movies we watched. I don't get a lot of like they're not trying to make this guy like a super and anything I say is going to sound like a slight and I'm not calling out Kevin Costner. I love the guy's movies. I love watching him, but Robin hood is supposed to be a good guy period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He had a controversial past, but he overcame that and became better. He's making the people better. Yes. They question him. If it's cream, if it's fame, you see Christian, I think you found it. What are you going to do about this? Okay. Well, follow me. Okay. You know, and hooray. Like his character arc is, is pretty much like a straight line. Yeah. Right. Like, and I don't want to call him a two dimensional character, but that's what he is. He's a good guy. If he's got some flaws, well, he's overcoming those now, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just going to say this. Like I saw a bunch of the negative stuff about saying, well, the movie doesn't hold up and all that. I'm not going to quite say the movie was ahead of its time. Cause I am not intelligent enough to say that or not, but you have, a main character, like the main female lead. Okay. He does have to rescue her, but she's a strong character, not afraid to act. And you know what? Honestly, put a sword in her hand and she probably could have taken out Nottingham and the witch before Kevin Costner made it through the door. Right. So you have a little bit of a stronger female lead. Now, again, I'm a guy. So there might be some people looking from the perspective and say, no, if you want a strong female lead, you give me Cara Dune. Not, you know, like, okay. And so could they be stronger? Maybe. But you got a strong female character. And then you have Azim. Was he really a sidekick? Or was he just kind of going in parallel to, were they just friends? Was it more of, of were they sidekicks? Or was it more like the buddy cop thing? I almost got a little bit more like the, I don't know, the buddy cop thing. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I, I don't well, know. And, and part of that too, I, I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to slight the character of Robin Hood or Kevin Costner or anything like that. I just think those other characters are more charismatic. I think they're just, I think they're more interesting to me than yeah. the Robin Hood character in this movie himself, yeah. you know? And, and that's, that's more of a, wow, did they put in great performances than it is a, wow, Kevin Costner really stunk, stunk up this movie. <laughs> Which is not the case at all, but right. you know, I, I think I think when you look at it, and maybe that's not his fault, but it's, you just had so many great. You had Morgan Freeman, Alan Rickman, and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Those were your side character, quote unquote, side characters, your supporting yeah. characters. But to me, they come out as being more interesting characters than Robin Hood himself. Yeah, 
like it's like in uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, Rabbit. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Um, I'm just drawn that way. So it's just the way he was written. Yeah. Yeah. So he could only work with what he had. That's yeah. probably why the editing then was to try and give himself something more because he even sensed that maybe the character was almost a little two dimensional. Yeah. But it, but it worked. Like I I wouldn't want you know. Yeah. I liked the zine though. The zine was cool. Yeah. Well, and, and some did, of those funny scenes where like where he pulls out the, uh, you know, he pulls out like the telescope. Yeah. And it, that was always one of my favorite scenes. He pulls it out and he's like, he's never seen this thing before. So he's like trying to get his sword and cause he thinks yeah. they're right there. And yeah, but I like yeah, some, he, of his, his, some of his other lines too. He's <laughs> like, what's, what should I do? Get up, move faster. Yeah. And then move his faster, facial, yeah. his reactions when he wins, he's just like, see, yeah. you could do it. Then he loses the next mat round. He's like, yeah. dude, <laughs> I I'm, I'm, t- I'm sorry. When he has the black powder, that was cool. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, man, every time I watch that, when he lights that first thing up and then it blows up, it goes yeah. kablamo. And the sheriff from Nottingham jumps back and it's just like, man, could you imagine like, holy buckets? There's like, yeah. ex- there's like straight up legit explosions going off in your, in your, in your courtyard there. And you're just like, what is going on? Yeah. I, I just, I like the character. I, I, he was educated. He was wise. He was, he, you know, he had faith. He was an incredible warrior. Um, he had a great sense of humor. I, I mean, he really, yeah, he was awesome. And I mean, just use of a scimitar in a movie, you get the Oscar for life on that one. That, I mean, when I saw that as a kid, I was like, wow, that sword is cool. That is awesome. Yeah, that was and they even threw the scene in where the one guy draws on him and he turns around, and he's like, ah, and he jumps off. The guy like jumps away. And so many of the characters are just so much fun. The Friar Tuck character mm-hmm. is hilarious in this. Yeah. Guy of Gisborne is a, is a great villain. Mm-hmm. And they've all got good villain voices too. They're, it's very gravelly and very. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I never, oh no. Okay. So I know, is it, is it the English pronunciation that it's Guy of Gisborne? Cause they, do they say Guy or does he say guy? And is that incorrect? Or is the French, the Guy, like, am I saying that incorrect? Should it be Guy of Gisborne? Well, it's cause it would be a French name if it was, if it was G-U-Y. Okay. And the French pronunciation would be Guy. Guy, yeah. right. But now you're making me think in the movie, how do they say it? See, and because I know that there was a, a famous uh, engineer worked for the uh, French uh, Tech 3 MotoGP team. I'm talking about you, Guy Coulone. Shout out for MotoGP. Guy was awesome. Fantastic engineer. Anyways, he was French, and it was Guy Coulon. Yeah, so bottom line is whenever the guy from Gisborne, the dude from Gisborne, when he is talking to Robin Hood and he says, you know, he was poaching deer on the sheriff's lands, wrong and he keeps trying to tell robin hood to move along i never noticed his reactions before which is awesome because when robin hood's just like i'm sorry well what manner of creature and he looks back and he's just like are you talking to me again and then and then he says will you move along this the sheriff's lands he goes wrong these lands are my land and then when he says wrong the guy gives or whoever the actor is he gets this look like what is your malfunction? Why are you like his, his reaction is priceless. And I, I did, I rewound it again. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's really, 
he's like totally like, who are you? You are, yeah. you know, but watch, just watch him, mm-hmm. watch him. And he's just like, I told you to move along. What, what are you not getting? Walk away. <laughs> yeah. That's good, man. Um, the music for this one, uh, the, the very, very famous, which I was kind of convinced until I was watching the behind the scenes thing, I was kind of convinced that the Brian Adams song came first. Oh and, yeah. And that that's why that music kept getting used throughout the movie. Um, you know, you've got the, is this the, I'm trying to remember if this is the original theme or if this has the, oh man. I'm I'm about to unleash on this scene, so I'm just a great piece of music oh my gosh and and honestly that that oh there it is yeah keep playing it i'm gonna shut up keep playing it keep playing it I have to stop the music just because I want Dennis to stop dancing. Oh man, I'm Dennis just. Dancing. I it was it was gyrating or something. I don't know. And and seriously, like the whole movie is in that theme. Yeah, the whole movie that whole movie is in the theme, and and it starts out. I mean, you you get anything? It's got that triple meter that you know, so that immediately gets you going, right? And then the the the, the horns come in, and they've got that real open interval. To me, it, that that's like that you can see England, you can see Sherwood Forest, and people riding through horseback, riding on horseback. Like that to me is like Knights of the Round Table, medieval times, sword fight. You know, you know what I'm saying? In a theme, like you just put that sound there. You know, like certain sounds identify certain. You know, and then you get then you get like you get the main theme that comes in and the way that main theme builds up and suddenly it's just all the brass instruments, all the brass instruments just assaulting you with just adventure, adventure. And then it kind of comes down a little bit and it's like, you know, and then you get a little bit more of this quiet kind of like 
hopeful, like, okay, there's going to be a struggle. And then it explodes again, you know? And then they even, they even paint the bad guys in there with the baseline. You know, so they even like represent, okay, here comes the sheriff of Nottingham. Like it's all wrapped up in that theme. And I mean, that theme sticks with you. That's like fantastic writing. Like that's, you put, you know, you put the Batman 89 theme on, you know what you're talking about. You hear the Star Wars theme, you know, you, you know it, like you hear this and it's got all the pieces of the movie in there. Yeah. And I'm biased. I'm a trumpet player. So you just oh, yeah. give me all that brass and it's like, it's solid. But I mean, just those open chords on the horn, the, the French horns right at the beginning. And even the way that that melody goes, I think it even comes in and it, it comes in a little higher. Bump, bump, bump. And then it's up a step. And when they, when they assault the, you know, when the Celts show up and assault the forest, they, they put that theme in exactly. So like the first couple of times, you know how the, the, uh, the merry men, they get the, okay, they all learned how to shoot bows and arrows and that they shoot the first volley of arrows and that takes care of some people. And then the next scene, you've got them all lined up on the bridge, like every extra is sitting there with a bow and arrow and the theme goes up to that next step. So it's like, yes, they're building, they're doing it. They're triumphing, you know? Oh man. Is what? James Horner still alive? Well, this wasn't James Horner. It wasn't? Oh, I thought it was. Okay. No, this is it Michael was- Kamen. Oh, okay. And okay, actually, okay. actually, Michael Kamen and James Horner both are not still alive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Michael Michael Kamen died in 2000, what did I say, 2003. And Do James, you have a list of a couple other scores he's done? Michael Kamen? I, he did, yeah. Um, yeah, he did the uh, first X-Men movie, which I love that score. Okay. I love the score of that movie. Um, he did a lot of stuff. Like, he did the score for Lethal Weapon. Uh, yeah, maybe that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. he's he's done a lot of stuff. Let me. I'll pull up his IMDb real quick. Um, yeah, but yeah, you you would know a lot of his movies. He did the the nineteen ninety three Three Musketeers movie, um, the one with Kiefer Sutherland, all those guys in it. Um, here, let's go. Let's go back. I'm just curious to see if he's more if there's a versatility to him or like you know like some. Oh yeah. You know, like when you hear a uh, John Williams, you know, you can go, I bet that's John Williams. You know, you, you, there's certain, and there's a lot of different uh, composers out there with a signature sort of flair to them, and, and uh, you can kind of tell. No, so this, just, I, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like I could pick out a James Horner or a John Williams, um, yeah. or, you know, I feel like I could pick them out. Michael came and I have a much harder time picking him That's out. That's what I think. I think it's a more variety or there's yeah. not really a signature sound necessarily. Yeah. Okay. He did. Um, I mean, early on some of his, yeah, some of his earliest ones, ones we would have done for the podcast. He did the music for Brazil. Um, okay. He did Highlander. He did lethal weapon. He did adventures in babysitting die hard. Um, Roadhouse. Uh, License to Kill, Lethal Weapon 2, Die Hard 2. He did Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He did Lethal Weapon 3, uh, mm-hmm. Last Action Hero, Three Musketeers, Don Juan DeMarco, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Mr. Holland's Opus, um, Event Horizon, What Dreams May Come, The Iron Giant, X-Men, uh, Band of Brothers. He did 10 episodes of Band of Brothers. 
Uh, let's see what else. Open Range, the other Kevin Costner movie. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of around the time Open Range was one of the last things he worked on. He did a, a few other few other things, but not not to the same level as the other ones. Well, Band of Brothers and Open Range, all just great great stuff. I mean, yeah. X Men. Um, well, he did a theme to Band of Brothers, or did he just? Well, there's only like there's only ten episodes of. I mean, it was a miniseries. I know, so. but I think the opening theme, like, isn't that the same theme? I thought it was all the time. It 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 is. No, I know. I it was funny. I was thinking the same thing when I saw Band of Brothers. That opening theme is just amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, um I I think it was all the music. He yeah. did all the music for Band. Of, I forgot it was only ten episodes. So if that's the case, then he did all the music. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. He's he. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for writing this and thank you to everybody in the film that was responsible for, you know, giving him that space to write those themes. And if they, you know, whatever, just cause I mean, this is a blockbuster soundtrack and well, and what, what happened? This became the theme for Morgan Creek productions, right? Yeah. You know, that lick became the, dun, became the, dun, 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 that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's the thing too. When that theme, it keeps building up. And like I said, you know, um, like if, if, if anyone is listening, please talk to Michael or David W. Collins at the soundtrack show, please break down this soundtrack for us, please. Oh, that would be amazing. But I mean, like the story, like the, he always, and that's another great show that you should all check out, please. Uh, the soundtrack show and John, I know you talk, he does the star Wars oxygen one and, but he'll, he talks about the musical storytelling and listen, like, listen to this theme in its entirety. Listen to this theme in its entirety. It's got every, every bit of the movie, everything you need to know is there and supported with excellent thematic material and the music. And like, it builds up and then comes down it like, and then there's the struggle and then it builds up again and there's triumph and capital, And then you got the baseline. That's going to be like the bad guys coming in. And then there's another explosion of all the brass instruments in the orchestra playing. And then it builds up. You know, but the it's like this cascading thing at the end that just sounds like this this regal fanfare. We got the victory, and what happens in this the movie? Sean Connery pops out at the end, and it's like, oh my god, he's King Richard! Like, how cool is this? Well, and the music is telling you this is awesome stuff. You know, I mean, my gosh, and that's like the first scene of the the first scene of the movie you've got that cool like needlepoint you know that has that medieval kind of well, i don't know what that's called needlepoint or sewing whatever uh look to it and you just get the yeah yeah can't say enough good things about the music it is so so good well and so i mean as a as a kid, I didn't really think of it this way, but as an adult, when I watch some of the scenes and it brings in the kind of the love theme, mm-hmm. which which is also the music from everything I do, I do for you. Um, as I got older and watched this movie, like middle school, high school, um, I think that some of those scenes, I almost, I almost want to say I made fun of them a little bit in my head. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, it's almost like that line. I always play that little uh, that little clip from um, Family Guy. Like whenever somebody mentions the title of a movie in the movie, he's like, ah, ah, they did it again. And <laughs> as I got older, when the love theme would come up in some of the different, more emotional scenes in the movie, I was like, ah, look at that product placement for Brian Adams' song. What I didn't realize is the music came first. 
and then Brian Adams took the music and turned it into the song. Mm-hmm. I think as like a middle school, high school kid, I was like, oh, look at that. There's there's like the Hollywood crossover of, hey, let's make money, you know, putting this song in the movie. And I, and then as I as I read more into it just over the last few years or so, it's like, no, 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 no. The, the, that was actually the love theme in the movie. And then um, what I had read was, I don't know if Michael Kamen was in the same studio or near the same studio um, as as uh, one that Brian Adams was working in and they were able to listen to the music and he was kind of like, I love that music. Um, I think I can make out a song out of that. And he and uh, Mutt Lang, who I know is, you know, uh, kind of a producer for a lot of you know people in the music industry. Um, I, th- I think I read, they sat down and they wrote the lyrics out in about 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and from there they were, they were ready to go and they recorded it a few months later. And then I think they recorded it in March of the year that the movie came out. Um, so it kind of, it obviously came out around the same time, but yeah, I, I, one of the scenes in particular where it really kind of that love theme, which anybody who's seen this movie or heard that song, they're going to recognize this right away. Um, and I think that's, you know, as, as a younger person, cause she even says the line, but I think that's where the movie came first. And he ultimately got the title of the song from that line. When Robin Hood says something to the effect that, you know, do this, you know, do, do this for your king or something like that. And she says, no, I'll, I'll do it for you. And then the music swells. And so, you know, as a, as a cynical kid who thought that the Hollywood money-making music industry stuff was taking advantage of, of a movie, I thought that was kind of a funny scene. Well, now that I watch it and I'm like, okay, let me just ignore, like, I like Brian Adams. Like, I, I really like his music. Let me ignore that and just watch this as a love theme from a movie. That's a great scene. And that's a great love theme. Yeah. And so I think yeah. I have, let me see if I've got it here. And two. Yes, two. You're King Richard's cousin. You can get word to him of Nottingham's plan. He would believe you. If the sheriff found out, I could lose all that I have. It's true. But will you do it for your king? No. I'll do it for you. He fancies you, my lady. So yeah, so you get the. It's a beautiful theme. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. yeah. and that was real in vogue with those movies right around then. There was always like a a hit song mm-hmm. that came out, but I don't, I don't think a lot of them. I, it was very. It it's kind of petered out. I don't think they do it anymore. No. But it was also rare. Like you know, you could be my. Okay, well, hang on a second. Terminator Two spoilers. Yeah, go for it. Sorry, but you could be mine was in there, and then they had uh, come back. Come back in about three or four weeks when we'll be doing Terminator Two. Yeah, what was in Young Guns? Young Guns was Blaze of Glory. Blaze of Glory. Okay, but like this one, they actually wrote it into the fabric of the score. Yeah, which is really cool when you can get like because it was it was the score. Like it was the score first, and then Brian Adams overheard the score, from what I understand, and then he was like, "God, I, I love that music. Let me." 
let me turn it into a song. And that would be really cool if that happened more. I'm trying to think if in Titanic, they did the same thing with uh, Celine Dion and uh, James Horner, mm-hmm. um, which um, because the theme, the melody for my heart will go on is in the score. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like you can hear it. Right. Um, and it's used, you know, it's used throughout. And that, I can't think of any other movies where they combine. Now, of course, you know, everyone's going to have a different opinion of, oh, well, I like that music or I don't like that music. And da, 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 da. But I mean, um, I mean, I like I said, I like James Horner. I really like the Titanic score. And I, I know that they put a pop tune on top of some of the thematic material from Titanic. But Yeah, I, w- I was just looking it up real quick in Titanic. Same thing. James Horner wrote that music first. Yeah. And um, then he, he, like, they really, you know, James Horner wanted it. He wanted to have a version of that music that had vocals to it that could play during the end credits. So he hired, I guess James Horner hired a lyricist to come up with the lyrics. But mm-hmm. James Cameron, the director, is like, no, I don't want that in my movie. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess they kind of, like, did a little bit of this backdoor thing where ultimately they ended up having Celine Dion record it. Yeah. Well, it's a win-win. I mean, it gets, yeah. I mean, you know, it, yeah, I think, I mean, listen to all my, yeah, but I can't think of any, many other movies that do it. I mean, you know, Bill Murray obviously did the star Wars, you know, like that whole thing. But I mean, but yeah, a lot of the movies, um, especially as you get into the nineties, there's a lot of movies. I was telling, I was telling the kids about this the other day. I guess I was putting some music on in the car and I think I put on seal and kiss from a rose came on. And of course mm-hmm. we're listening to kiss from a rose and, you know, the kids are like, what is this? And I was like, well, this is the greatest love song from Batman Forever. They're like, this was in a Batman movie? <laughs> yes, kids. The The year was 1990-something. And we inserted pop songs into movies that they probably didn't fit very well with. Yeah. Yeah. Dennis, was that you? That sounded like you were turning off the tractor beam in the Death Star. I was just going to say... I, I would thought Pat could identify the vehicle. Some sort of I was. What, 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 the death... Through the road, I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, we. It, well, yeah. through the through the thing, it just sounded like like John said, the Death Star's uh, you know yeah. tractor tractor beam was being deactivated. Uh, somebody's speeding down off the uh, green here. Okay. Well, it's good to know someone out there is having fun. Um. So drive fast, take risks. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm, I'm like I said, and that I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause that was another, it's just a, it's just an awesome, th- awesome theme. Do we have anything? I've got a couple of questions left before we go into our three questions. Do we have anything else you guys want to say about the movie itself? Azim's really awesome. Yeah. That guy's really awesome. Not just if you haven't seen it, see it. Yeah. <laughs> You know what was also funny about this one? We, we didn't really talk about this much. Um, this goes for our next two movies, though, is that this was so popular um, back in the night, back in 1991, um, that I believe around about the same time they had Robin Hood and Hook uh, action figures that you could buy. Because mm. I remember, I remember trying to get some of these. I don't know that I ever did. But they had the Robin Hood, um, yeah, they, if you Google it, there's Robin Hood action figures. There was an Azim action figure. 
they were from Kenner, so they were kind of like it was almost like the same mold as some of the old Star Wars toys. Cool. Um, about the same size too, but they had you know they had Robin Hood um, that I don't think looked anything. He looked more like Superman than Kevin Costner. Um, <laughs> and then you had the Sheriff of Nottingham and all those other characters. The one that I thought was funny, and I, I even recognized this as a kid because um, I had two of them, is the Robin Hood um, Sherwood Forest playset was the Ewok Village. It was the exact same oh, toy. <laughs> that's the, that's the, hilarious. The Ewok Village was just like three, I think it was like three tree trunks um, that held up like a little platform that had like a little, you know, had some railings and some uh, ladders and some ropes and things like that. All they did was they just repurposed the Ewok Village for the Sherwood Forest playset. That's hilarious. But yeah, we were actually, um, my wife and I got away for a couple of days last week and we, we went up to Wisconsin and happened to spot this one place. Um, so if, if anybody if, if anybody wants to, and I think that's the tagline for their store, if anybody wants to relive your childhood and go to a place that is part toy museum, part toy store, because uh, it's actually a toy store, but there's so much stuff in there. Um, there was a place in, I want to say it was in Sheboygan, mm-hmm. and it's called Freak Toys. Uh, Freak Toys, all one word, and toys with a Z. And this place was, if, if I had unlimited money, I, I would have just, I would have bought everything in the whole place. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I was looking through, I, I kept seeing a whole bunch of stuff that I had had as a kid. And the prices were actually really reasonable. Sometimes you go to these places and they're, they're, everything's overpriced. Um, really reasonable. And I happened to pass by this one section and they had Robin Hood toys and they had Hook toys. Oh. And I remember as a kid, I was like, oh man, I always wanted the Rufio action figure. Roof E O E O. So that'll be next week. We can we can we can do that one next week. But oh, um, yeah. it was it was fun to see some of these on the shelves after you know remembering that as a kid wow. I had wanted these. So cool. So yeah. cool. I am on freaktoys.com. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're ever if you're ever up that direction, you got to stop by there. Yeah. It was it was fun. Like it was a lot of fun. We didn't have the kids with us. We just kind of went and looked around a little bit. And oh, actually, I got um, uh, I did pick up something while I was there. They had one of the original. Um, it was like a little bendable figure of the Rocketeer from when the movie had come out. Mm-hmm. They had that, and I've seen it before, but it's usually a little bit more, and it it was not very expensive at all. So I I did come away with that from my trip. But there were a lot of other, a lot of other things I could have sunk some money into. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, so my, my final questions related to the movie here before we get into our three questions are, um, and I think I know my answer to this, uh, if this movie was being released in theaters today, what would be the reason you'd go see it? Cast. Okay. Because it's awesome. The knowledge of the, knowledge of the, of the story beforehand but the cast i mean an interesting cast and i'd like to see it updated okay so if it's a bunch of people i didn't know i don't know sometimes that's a a good thing Mm -hmm. and they do it really well and other times it's you know it might make you a little more skeptical yeah now now let me ask is are you saying are you saying re-release like hey robin hood prince of thieves is coming to a theater or or they're just another robin hood let's let's say yeah so let's say this movie in instead of being released in 1991 let's say this exact movie 
movie posters up on the theater walls, the same trailer, the same everybody. It didn't come out in 91. It's coming out in 2021. What would draw you to go see this movie? Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Yeah. No, Kevin Carr, like I said, the whole cast. It's yeah. like Rickman. I mean, like, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I think, I think the action, the action in the cast, that's what would draw me. Alan Rickman yeah. is a villain. I'm going to go just, I'm going to see just about anything where Alan Rickman's a villain. With the Willow, uh, with the Willow music in the trailer, do it for you. The same trailer that would have done it for me too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it was good music. Yeah. Well, Robin Hood, you are great. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I like, I like the swords and the horseback riding and the adventure. You know that that stuff like appeals to me. So. You know. All right. And then final question. I think I know the answer to this. I know the answer for me because I'm looking at my DVD copy right now. Uh, would you buy this movie? Uh, so sometimes we talk about, you know, does this movie hold up? Or, you know, there's a certain level to, yeah, I like this movie. I'd watch it whenever it comes on. And Or I would actually sink money into buying the um, steel case, Blu-ray, 4K, DVD, whatever edition so that I can own this thing forever. Uh, would you or do you own this movie on some kind of physical media? No and no. Okay. <laughs> so you like it, but not that much. I like it, and I like it a lot. I just, I mean, it's got to be, especially nowadays, it's like it's got to be rare that I'm buying it. But back, back then I could see buying it, but like now, because everything is streaming and everything you can get on, you know, it's like right now I, I don't need the extra clutter, so it's got to be like, Something that's going into that sentimental box that I'll you know drag with me everywhere, um, and this wouldn't fall into that category. Okay. So it's if it, it's not like yeah, there's there's other ones that would be pushing that out of the out of the way. So take taking out taking out the physical media thing. I mean, let's say would you purchase it on Amazon Prime so it's in yeah. your all time online digital copy that you could watch? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I figured I could rent it, you know? Mm-hmm. I, want to see it. I, I don't know if it's a movie that falls under the category of me watching it multiple, multiple times, but if it's on, I'll watch it. And if I was showing it to some, if I was with somebody who had not seen it, I would get it. <clears throat> I would pay for the rental or maybe purchase it then just to say yeah. I have more time to watch it. But it's not like a diehard, yeah, no, not like a diehard movie that I need to get. That's just my honest opinion. You know, it's just. That doesn't take anything away from the movie, in my opinion. It just there's it's, it's kind of it's like concerts, you know. There's a lot of artists I like, but there's only so many artists I'm gonna fork over money to go see them in concert. Mm-hmm. And and it's not even necessarily about the money. Sometimes it's about, even if it was free, there's always sometimes people, yeah, they're like them, but I'm not really gonna go see that concert. Mm. Like I don't have to, see, you know. It, I think it probably falls into there. But like, gotcha. Yeah, the light of the movie, it's just it's more about my personality probably and how I don't really. You know, I, I, my dad was a DVD collect like tons of them, and then he ended up just kind of, you know, didn't have, just they were just all there, wasn't watching. They were sitting there. My, my uncle was the same way. He's got 50 million CDs or DVDs, and I don't know when they watch them. Mm. They just keep getting new ones, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've been a lot more, I've been a lot more selective lately about which ones I purchase on DVD or Blu ray. And so I haven't bought as many as I used to, but this one's a, a holdover from. 
well, because it's a DVD. If I had bought it today, I probably would have bought either the Blu-ray or the 4K version of it. But this was during the time when I was just buying every movie that I've ever liked uh, just so I'd make sure I had a copy before things were really streaming everywhere. Um, right. And, and even now, I mean, it's really only streaming unless I want to pay for it. It's only streaming on HBO Max, I think. So, um, you know, there are times where I've, I've kind of run into situations like that where it's like, is it a movie? Is it one of my favorite movies of all time? No, it wouldn't be on like my top 10 list of movies, but is it one that I want to watch regularly and I don't necessarily want to pay for HBO Max just so I can see Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? All right. If I find, you know, a DVD copy of it or a fairly inexpensive Blu-ray or whatever copy of it, I'm, I'm going to get it. So yes, this one was already sitting, uh, this one was nestled snugly in between, um, the 1953 movie, The Robe and uh, my Blu-ray copy of The Rocketeer. So There it is. So I set those two together so that The Rocketeer is on equal footing as Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, just so we don't have to be bitter about how Robin Hood and the Terminator did The Rocketeer in. Mm-hmm. That's, that's okay. That's another story. So that's, that's where we kind of go on this question. It's like, is this question like, are we literally asking, would you buy this for your, or is yeah. this question a proxy for, how much do you like this movie? Top 10, I'm definitely buying it. Yeah. Nah, I mean, I'll watch it once and that's that. I'll rent it if someone hasn't seen it. Or that middle ground that's like, if if people want to say, hey, w- you know, judge me by my movies that I watch, yeah. do I count this one in there or not? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, because it's two different discussions. The discussion of do you buy it anymore, like, like there's all sorts of, ramifications. Are we trying to, you know, get rid of clutter in your life? Are you trying to convert to a Blu-ray? Do you, you know, and all this? Yes, I'm still out there. I'm, I'm still out there. I'm still on a DVD player that's 19 years old. Yes. So I'm still converting to Blu-ray. Maybe. I still haven't decided yet. But you're going to get a PlayStation 5 and then you can. And invite, yes. And well, yeah. And that, there was a whole discussion on that tonight. So, but that's a different story for a different podcast. But Was, um, was that related to the mess you had to vacuum up? No, no, okay. that was not related to that. That okay. was, yeah, yeah. Um, that had to do that had to do with sushi and the Avengers, but that's a completely different story. Well, that sounds like a fun evening. Yeah, that's like two um, of my favorite things: sushi and the Avengers. I know, hmm. you know, great shawarma place. Yeah. Um, so shawarma after. So yeah, that that's it's an interesting question, you know, because it's a, it's a deeper question than, you know. Yes, my response to all of your follow up questions is yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I own this movie on VHS. Oh, very nice. There you go. So I got this one. I got this one when I had like no money as a college student, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So yeah, I dug it, man. Nice. Dug it. All right. Well, I think it is now time for three questions. After our three questions, I've also got uh, Jason Colvin from the Shirley Can't Be Serious podcast and podcast full of kryptonite, uh, did call in with a voicemail. So after the nice. three questions, we will we'll play the voicemail and go from there. But it's time for three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point 
in your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, question number one. Um, favorite Brian Adams song? Do you have a favorite Brian Adams song? I know if, if my wife can hear me right now, I feel like I'm going to get a text just about any second. Um, she is not as much a Brian Adams fan, and when I do play him, uh, I usually get the comment that uh, his name is not Brian Adams, it's Mr. Scratchy Voice. Oh, she's not a fan of the Scratchy Voice. Eh, not as much, yeah. So, do you have a favorite Brian Adams song? I... Summer of 69 is really good. Yeah, that's a good one. And then I think the ballad one, um, uh, Heaven. That's a good one. Now, I would, I categorize them as, you know, two, two, two categories. His songs that are his rock songs that are his albums. Mm-hmm. And then I would go with movie because he's done some, um, the Spirit soundtrack. For the, if, you, if your kids haven't seen the, uh, the animated film uh, Spirit, Stallion of the Cinema, it's it's really really good. Yeah. It's it, outstanding. You're talking not, the one. You're right? talking. You're talking the one from back like 2000. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> yes. He does I, the whole soundtrack for that, and it is excellent. It, I think it's him and uh, who might be James. <laughs> I'm not sure if it is James or who does the sound. You look that up, John. Uh, who does, it's a, it is Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Yes, yeah. Hans Zimmer. Him and him and Brian. Yeah, they they do the soundtrack. And it was, I, I played that. My kids have loved that. Like that, that's, that is an awesome soundtrack. Agreed. Like that's another one where, you know, you talk about it going with the, I think I was trying to think of what was one that goes with it. I don't know if the theme came first and he based the songs around that, but obviously all of them kind of go with the story. Mm-hmm. So he's writing the lyrics based on the story of the film. And I'm not sure if it was the theme from Hans Zimmer that came first and he kind of built things around or if it was, that'd be interesting to see. But um, yeah, that is one of my favorites. Like, I love that. That soundtrack. Yeah. Well, and, and Brian Adams did have a stretch of songs right around this kind of early nineties time. Where Can't Stop This Thing He Started was a yeah. hit. Um, the decent hit for him. But he, had a, he had a stretch of songs in the early nineties where they were tied, like you said, they were tied to a movie. So you had the you had the spirit movie like you mentioned. Uh, you had Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman from Don Juan DeMarco. Yeah. Um, you had All for Love from the Three Musketeers movie. So you had a lot of, yeah, you had a lot of Brian Adams in a lot of early '90s movies, um, providing the the lyrical version of some of the music that you might have heard in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Dennis, totally agree with you on spirit. Uh, just f- phenomenal movie and oh. music and the whole thing. So definitely hard agree. Found the bugle. Oh man, great! Just great tunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have not seen that one yet. So that would be a good one to to watch with the kids. You've not seen Spirit? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Oh, you got to watch that movie. I'm, yeah. I'll pay for it. It's from let's see, it's from 2002. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably one of his later ones because most of these others where he did something that was related to a movie, um, those are all kind of early, early to mid nineties. Yeah. But like, like I think in a lot of those, it was like, it was that ending credits love ballad uh-huh. type of thing. Yeah. This is like him and Hans Zimmer, literally like it's, it's, you're just hearing, you're just hearing his songs throughout the whole film. 
mm-hmm. with lyrics yeah. and everything. There's like a there's like a lot of um, uh, what do you call them? The um, like montages and you know uh-huh. where there's just yeah, there's a lot of that, and he's just it's, it it helps really helps with the story. I think and yeah, carries it very long. So mm-hmm. definitely, definitely got to see that. Your kids would still love that. Your daughter, yeah, she's age, yeah. That's not like a little kid film either, in my opinion. It's, and I, I, I love watching that more than the kids probably, and they love watching it. So. Yep, 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 yep. Like I want to see that one again. Like now that we're even talking about it, like, here we go. Yeah. Well, and it, yeah, I would say like I mean some of the ones that you've that you guys have already mentioned. Um, you know, I'd say Heaven is always the one that. You know, if I'm playing, if I'm playing a playlist of Brian Adams stuff, um, a lot of times it's going to be Heaven will be in there. Summer of '69 will be in there. Uh, Please forgive me. That was always a good one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. His, I, I think his um, uh, "Waking Up the Neighbors" album was probably one of my favorites. Yeah, that might be the only album of his I actually bought. The, the rest of them, I think, I either recorded it off the radio or I probably picked it up on iTunes later on. Mm-hmm. All right. Question number two: Favorite use of a bow and arrow, or I'll also give you a crossbow in a movie or TV show. Walking Dead, Daryl. Sorry, I I kind of figured you'd say that. Cool. Ah yes. oh, man. I I might have to I might have to. Uh, Go Legolas in the uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, mm, that's good too. Yeah, that, yeah, re- that one's really good. I kind of thought you. I was thinking ahead of time. I was like, "What's Pat going to do? He's either going to do Legolas or maybe uh, Hawkeye." I, I I was right on the tip with Hawkeye. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that movie's so cool. Um, I'm going to go last the Mohicans too. Oh, there you go. yeah. I love the scene with the boner, like uh, where he shoots the, um, which well, I mean, there's a few of them, but like, like it just the overall movie for that one is, is mm-hmm. classic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got great arrow scenes in, um, um, you know, Braveheart and uh, Gladiator and so forth. Yeah, Braveheart. Those were those were kind of top of my list. Braveheart, Gladiator. Uh, I'm sorry, John. I didn't mean to. No, no, I just, no. I just stole it. I'm rambling. No, because then the other funs one, the other fun ones are like the Monster Squad. Because <sighs> he's got the like the wooden stake arrows that he shoots at the Brides of Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. got uh, you got uh, Arnold's bow and arrow in Predator. Mm-hmm. You got Rambo. There's a nobody's gonna go with the uh, the bow and arrow chicken from Hot Shots Part Two. Yes, <laughs> yeah. There's one more I'm thinking about, and I can't. Uh... I think probably one of the most impactful archery scenes in a movie was probably Braveheart. Just that that scene in particular, just you know how how visually you, you get a sense of what that would have been like to be in a battle and just have these arrows come raining down mm-hmm. and your, your wooden shield that you probably made at home is not going to stop an arrow <laughs> necessarily from 
coming through and landing in your leg or your side or whatever. The good Lord tells me he can get me through this day, but you're, <laughs> he's pretty sure you're, <laughs> you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Yeah. Well, he's got a special relationship. It's his Island. That's right. All right. Oh, um, you- yeah. I, I was going to go. I'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing hunger games there too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I was, yeah. I, my brain was like, I couldn't, I'm, I had to go to the list of my Hunger Games. I was thinking, yeah, yeah. I always wonder if movies like this, like like Robin Hood, because I feel like Hunger Games did it a little bit. Um, I feel like when movies like this come out, you probably have a spike of kids that want to go learn archery. Yeah, well, you know, Brave, like, Brave did that too for yeah. a lot of kids. Yeah. Well, because you had, I mean, because I remember the the well, Pat, you probably remember this too. I remember. Um, uh, Carol at work saying that when the TV show Lee came out, came out that you had a bunch of bunch more kids that were coming out for chorus that might not have ever come out for chorus mm-hmm. before, but because of the TV show, they're like, Oh, I, I want to be in chorus now. I want to do what they do on the show. So yeah. I always, I always wonder like how much when you get a movie that's like heavy in archery or heavy in, you know, some other skill, something that kids could do, whether as a, as a sport or a hobby or whatever, um, I wonder if you get a spike of, I wonder if in 1991 you get a spike of kids that wanted to go out for mm-hmm. archery. Yeah. Yeah. You wonder how that all works. I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, why not? <clears throat> all right. And question number three is, uh, has kind of become our totally random question, but it is a little bit related this time around. Um, because, uh, what goes best with Robin of Loxley, a bagel. So what is your favorite kind of bagel? Cinnamon raisin classic. Panera cinnamon raisin. There's also the cinnamon crunch, which you know is really good too. Um, from there, they have like a cinnamon crunch one with a um, very sh- a little bit sugar- too sugary sometimes, but okay. classic. And then I'll follow it up with the chocolate chip bagel from Panera. Nice. Oof. Oof. Go to is the cinnamon raisin. Cinnamon raisin. The smell of that sucker, man. Mm-hmm. Blew the balls with that at school. Kids would be like, "Oh, it smells so good." Cinnamon raisin bagels. When my sister would, when my sister in high school used to work at Panera, and she'd come home at night from work, everyone would want to give her a hug, <laughs> and and just linger a little bit longer. She's like, "What's what's up? <laughs> why is everybody? Why aren't why aren't you guys this nice to me on days that I don't work?" Yeah. I'm either gonna go with because. Uh, we have an Einstein's. We have an Einstein's bagels not too far from the house. So uh, every once in a while, the kids will request. They're like, "Hey, can we go to Einstein's for breakfast?" Uh, okay, that's fine. Um, so I'm going to go with my my two favorites from there. One is the six cheese bagel. Always a fan of that one. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also going with the, the uh, pretzel bagel. That's a good one too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Tanya's a pretzel bagel person. There's a lot of people, a number of people I like, you know, like that. Yeah. Pat, what's your what's your bagel poison of choice? Yes. Um, yes all the bagels. All the bagels. Uh, I, I'm, I've been thinking about it. I mean, I switch it up, but which you know the everything you got. You got the garlic one. You got the poppy seed. The onion bagel. 
maybe, maybe the, not the everything. I love the everything, but do I get, maybe the, the one where it has like the, 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 um, like the cooked garlic on the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I, I, see, I um, no. That's not as, yeah, yeah. That or the poppy seed bagel. Love the poppy seed bagel. What I love is that this is the question that probably has had the most discussion around it from the three questions. Oh, yeah. Now I'm hungry for bagels. I was just picturing Pat ordering a bagel store. Well, yeah. Did I walk in? I'm cinnamon raisin. Or, or the other two, maybe. Does Pat sit there and go, oh, man, it's menu. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. That's when you order, the, you order everything, right? Yeah, I order the menu. Can I just please have it? I'll take a dozen bagels, please. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, that's our three questions. Uh, before we wrap up this time, we do have a voicemail. I just called to say I love you. Ed Rooney's office. Paris Bueller's online, too. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. What am I doing? I'm talking to an empty telephone. I don't understand. Because there was a dead man on the other end of this phone. Maybe. I guess you should have called. I did call earlier when using the phone. Earlier when was that? Or later when then I uh, left a message. A message? What number did you call? Two, four, niner, five. Six, seven, eight. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? I catch a niner in there? Hey, guys. This is 30-something movie podcast superfan Jason Colvin and co-host of the podcast Full of Kryptonite. Just calling in tonight to say I hope that you guys had a great show for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I'm really enjoying uh, you guys working through 91. Uh, John, I think you're a little tough on Point Break, though. Man, that movie was so much fun. Big fan of that one. Uh, looking forward to what you guys have for us here in the future. And uh, just keep up the great work. Appreciate you guys. Uh, I enjoy listening, and I will continue to do so. So thanks so much. We'll talk to you later. By the way, since Jeff couldn't make it tonight, I suggest that you cut his heart out with a spoon because it'll hurt more, you twit. Thanks, guys. <laughs> talk to you later. Oh, nice. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Um I, I got to say, I feel like I have to keep defending myself when it comes to Point Break. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was, it was a, uh, it was and a controversial. I, I liked Point Break. <laughs> I, I liked Point Break, but I was like, just because I want, I want the bad guys to get punished. Like that's, man. Is this what it feels like to be Pat sometimes with a Patreon? Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think it'll ever hit levels like that. Yeah, that's that's levels of all sorts of you know. Yeah. Oh now, man. Now if, if Pat had said that he hated uh, Point Break, we would have gotten like ten more people on Patreon. But that's okay. Yeah, we would have. But like, when is that going to happen? It's like, not, not even not. in the mirror universe would I hate. Like, you know. No. <clears throat> There's a multiverse of of infinite possibilities, and I'm not sure that's even one of them. No, I've I'm always going to love that movie. Uh, yeah, man. Thanks so much. And boy, I love the Shirley. You can't be serious podcast. Those guys are fantastic. And yeah, I love this. He's got a lot of good Facebook posts too. I don't know if John, you're friends with him. I'm sure on there. Yeah. 
Uh, they always make me chuckle and some pretty good, uh, some good, good, really good ones. Yeah, yeah, they 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 keep it lively on Facebook and Twitter. So I'm yeah. I'm always. Yep. Thank you, thanks for that, Jason. Yeah, it's always just funny. Like I don't go on there a whole lot, but when I do, it's like, oh, good, I love seeing those. Yeah. Certain things you fly through, and I always stop and watch those. So yeah, or look at. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode for us. Uh, again, you can always find us at 30podcast.com. That's three zero and the word podcast.com. We are at 30podcast on most of the different social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, we have a voicemail line, but we've also got uh, our voicemail line, if you want to call in, is 872-356-6843. Um, I think that comes out to 872-35-MOVIE if you want to do it that way. Um, and then we've also got on our website, if you just go to 30podcast.com, there is a button on our website right there where you can leave a voicemail as well. So there's a couple different ways to do that. Don't forget to check out our sponsor and the rest of the shows in the Scene Stealers Podcast Network by heading over to scenestealersglobal.com. Um, our next episode's coming up. So let's see, next week we've got Hook. We'll finish out our Across the Pond month of British movies or British adjacent movies. Um, and then next month we've got Terminator 2. That is our, uh, is it Terminator 2? Yeah, Terminator 2 is when we hit our 365th episode. So oh, jeez. That is where you can listen to us every single day of the year and not repeat something. So I, if you're if you're so inclined, feel free. Uh, we've also got Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. It's coming up after that. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. It's coming up after that. Um, hence the word sabotage. Uh, then Suburban Commando will be after that one. Our Patreon episode next month will be Stripes from 1981. Um, and then we got, let's see, coming up after that, we've got Jungle Fever, White Fang, Dead Again, Frankie and Johnny, Beauty and the Beast. And our Patreon episode coming up that next month is then going to be My Dinner with Andre from 1981. So we've got some good stuff coming up. If you want to join us over on Patreon, you get access um, to those uh, those two movies as well. We do the special episode each month. Um, trying to do another one for the Patreon feed there um, coming up soon. I don't know. Pat, you said you might want to jump on that if possible. Uh, we might do a kind of a, a special episode on the Razzies of 1991. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those. but I, uh... I got to tell you, um, I don't want to go too much into it because I don't want to give too much of anything away. Um, I know. I already watched that scene. Which one? Uh, the scene you're about to talk about. Scene about. I watched the entire movie of, of Cool as Ice. I, I don't know if I can, but I, I watched a, the... I have a lot of regrets. I, I watched the one scene. It's really going to challenge my opinion that, hey, man, put a motorcycle in the movie. It'll make it better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a lot of regrets when it comes to having watched that movie. First and foremost of all is that I watched that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I, I had to check a couple of times that I hadn't accidentally jammed an ice pick into my brain because um, I, I thought, like, it, it seems like my thoughts are all disjointed here, and I feel like I'm watching something that's was edited by a, a room full of monkeys. And, um, Don't insult monkeys. I, that would be kind of insulting to monkeys, yeah. So, yeah, not, uh, not, not good, not good. Now, <laughs> the, the other one that I have gotten a little bit of the way through is nothing but trouble uh, yeah. and, and i had i had never seen that before i've always seen the the cover this of that the Anne Aykroyd? 
it's uh, Dan Aykroyd's first yeah. directing gig. Um, yes. And he's also in it. John Candy is in it. Um, Chevy yeah. Chase is in it. Demi Moore is in it. So, yeah, it's it's been kind of fun so far. Like, I can see why it's not a great movie. Um, but it's it's at least been kind of fun, you know, having all those big-name people in it. Mm-hmm. So. Actually, we saw that at the theater, to be honest. Oh, did you really? I think so. Okay. Then came out. My dad saw that cast. We loved John Candy. We went, and it was kind of like, eh. Yeah. Not horrible, but nowhere near as good as we you know, were expecting. Yeah. Is what, I, is what I vaguely remember. I don't even remember too much about it, but that's I remember it being a looked-forward movie that we went to see, ultimately a bit let down, but at the same time, it wasn't horrible had we not had high, such high expectations. Mm-hmm. The cast makes you expect a lot more. Right. That you get. And I think that's how I would remember it. So I, I got to see that one, yeah. Again. Yeah. So, so we may do, uh, coming up soon for the Patreon feed, we may do a Razzies of 1981. So those are the movies that won the, or were nominated for the Golden Raspberry Award as the worst movies of the year for 1991. So we may do a special episode coming up for that one soon. So be on the lookout for that one. Um, otherwise, thank you, Patrick, and thank you, Dennis. Yep. Did we, Thank did you, we, John. Did we talk long enough that the entire room got painted? It is basically done, yeah. Okay. Just right. Finishing touches here, and then good to go. I go eat now something. Well, hey, even even if the podcast ends up being a complete disaster, we something was accomplished tonight. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for being here with us one more time. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we will see you back here next week for Hook. Promise you won't go. All right. I promise you won't go. Thank you. 